This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show. Good morning and welcome to episode number nine of Go To Grandma. I'm Kathy Buckworth, and I like to tell my kids I've forgotten more tech than they'll ever know. This forgotten tech might include Palm Pilots, car phones, and Pong, but it still counts, am I right? On today's show, we're going to go a little higher tech than that. We have two of the most recognized tech experts in Canada on the show today. Amber Mack is going to school us on what technology every grandparent should have in their home, including one piece of tech you might not expect to have the ability to have saved her father-in-law's life. You'll need to hear that one. Mark Salzman is tech guy, literally, and he is an expert on all things tech-wise. Today, he's game to tell us which video games and gaming units we want to have if we want to game with our grandkids. Yes, game is a verb. While my aforementioned Pong skills are notable, I have a feeling that, as well as my Asteroids, Pac-Man, and Centipede skills, they won't really help me with today's new video games. We're going to stay away from first-person shooter games, don't worry, and focus on some games that are fun and maybe even a bit educational for us all. We are old school and we play Wii Sports still at our cottage. It's not pretty watching my husband and I maneuver our way through Wii Tennis, Wii Frisbee, or Wii Canoeing. I like to say that we're better at those in real life, but I'm more honest than that. I would like to play the Slice the Fruit in Half with a Machete game in real life, wouldn't you? Gaming and hitting our nutritional needs for the day. What could be more perfect? Maybe paradise? What's your idea of paradise? If it goes beyond cut fruit, dream big, you'll want to hear what our Take 5 with RBC segment is about today. Stuart Gray from RBC tells us how to make our dreams a reality. Not just a virtual reality, but a real reality. Whatever way you are listening to us today, via podcast, on your phone, laptop, iPad, or maybe even an old-fashioned transistor radio, turn up the tech and get ready to plan and play with episode number nine of Go To Grandma. I'm Kathy Buckworth. Stay tuned. Amber Mack is a best-selling author, keynote speaker, award-winning podcaster, and a mom. Thanks for joining us this morning, Amber. Thanks so much for having me on the show. I'm so excited to have you on the show because there's so much technology that we can or maybe should have in our homes. And as we have sort of when I have my two-year-old grandson running around, you know, things that maybe can make things easier for me, safer for me, safer for him. And I wanted to start with you with a story that I was uh, sort of teasing our listeners with at the beginning. Apparently, your father-in-law technology saved his life. Is that right? (laughs) Yeah, absolutely. So uh, in the spring of this year, uh, he had a really bad fall in his house mm-hmm. and uh, he lives alone. His wife passed away the previous summer and and thankfully we had set him up with uh, Google smart speakers. So he learned how to use them pretty straightforward. But most importantly, we taught him how to uh, call both my husband, Chris, and his daughter, Karen, through the smart speakers because you can make phone calls.
calls even without your phone on you. Oh, wow. So, uh, yeah, I mean, it's pretty great. A lot of people don't recognize that feature in the tech. And so when he had fallen and completely shattered his leg, not a big shocker to most people listening to this, he did not have his phone on him. He was at home and it wasn't anywhere nearby. And thankfully, he remembered how to use the Google smart speaker because he uses it all the time to call his daughter. And so while he was on the ground, unable to move at all, he uh, called Karen and Karen then made uh, a call to get the ambulance to get to his house. And I just think about that story a lot, Kathy, because Mm -hmm. I think sometimes people want to beat up on all types of technologies. Mm -hmm. But what I've seen, you know, being very open to tech, especially for seniors and, and, you know, grandparents and, and really people of all ages is there's plenty of scenarios where it can make a massive difference. Yeah. And as you've said, I mean, something like that, I agree. I mean, I know I've set up my parents and my husband set up his parents with things like Google Home or Alexa for, you know, not just what's the weather, but also, yeah, to get information and to potentially call out. I mean, that's an amazing feature. Google Home Speaker is what you were talking about. Yeah. I mean, it's actually called the Google uh, Nest Audio. That's the official name, but I I recognize that most people aren't as up to date on the official name changes (laughs) of the Google speakers as I might be. Yeah, they do change all the time. And I think you're right in terms of technology, people saying, well, do I need my fridge to tell me when to order groceries? You know, and it's not just all about that. There's a lot of things that can make our life easier. So what are the some of the tech that you love to see in people's homes if they're maybe getting on in years and they need the assistance? Well, honestly, I think it's all of that tech that just makes our lives that much easier and more accessible. So I think the entry point, like if there's people listening right now mm-hmm. and they're thinking, okay, I have a, a parent or maybe it's uh, maybe it's the person listening wants to experiment and try some smart technology. I always think that smart lights uh, in the home are probably the first uh, and most important uh, entryway into using smart home tech. So I always imagine scenarios like this for people, again, of all ages, that you walk into the house at nighttime and you have a bag of groceries and you want to be able to turn on the lights, especially in those dark winter months, it's great to be able to use your voice to do just that. And so I think smart lighting systems are incredibly helpful. Even being able to turn off all the lights in the house while you're laying in bed and maybe you forgot yeah. to turn something off on the main floor. My, my parents do that all the time in PEI and they love their smart light. That's a great. And even I was thinking of my um, almost two-year-old grandson, Owen, he likes he likes to climb up on things he shouldn't be climbing up on to turn the lights on. So having him maybe just say it from the ground <laughs> would be yeah. a bit safer for him as well. You know, I have a, a home, a summer home in Charlottetown mm-hmm. and I use that feature all the time and we have 32 smart lights in the house. So oh, wow. inside and outside. That's a little excessive. So please don't start <laughs> with that because you'll forget what you've called every different room and it'll drive you insane. But it is a great feature that Google makes available and and same for Amazon Alexa where you can simply say, turn off all the lights, right? And and then it just makes your life easier. And and this is what tech is all about. It's that magic of simplifying things that can be cumbersome to people, especially anyone with mobility or accessibility issues. And you have this smart house. I've seen you talk about it online. (laughs) It looks fantastic in Charlottetown where I'm going to be headed actually. And what other features in there, like thermostats, I'm thinking about something like that. Yeah. So one of the things I love to think about with smart technology, and this is just a good tip for everybody, is that don't invest in technology that can't be used when your, say, Wi-Fi is down, right? Right. Um, So I think that's an important thing. So if you think about smart lights, you can also use them, you know, not voice activated. So that's really important. So the same thing about smart thermostats, and there's really only a couple of big brands right now in terms of smart thermostats, but that's another thing important to remember is that you also want to be able to 
manually turn the heat up, right? Mm-hmm. And so if you have a, a Google Nest learning thermostat, you can do just that. But there's also thermostats like Ecobee, which is a Canadian company that has uh, really, really grown in popularity. So I think smart thermostats are just an excellent uh, option as well. Mm-hmm. And those are kind of the two, I think, first things that you would do if you were just considering a smart home for someone who maybe isn't that tech savvy. What about things like burglar alarms? Are, are There's got to have been tons of advances in that regard as well. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, there are. I mean, especially, you know, we think about them for security, mm-hmm. but even just the ease of use of who, to see who's coming up to the door, right? Mm-hmm. You know, I think about in our house right now, we have the Nest cameras, front door, back door, side gate. And of course we got them because I'm like, what if there are burglars trying to get inside, which just never happens, knock <laughs> on wood. But how I actually use them now is to see my son come in and out after yeah. school and to make sure that he's safe. And you could say the same could be useful for someone who was living alone and wanting to be able to check in on them. So again, I mean, what incredible technology to be able to do just that. What if you're, you know, parent or, or maybe, you know, you slipped on the walkway leaving your house in the morning, you know, being able to make sure that uh, someone saw that immediately. I, I just, I love There's technology loads. for these reasons. I think also, you know, a lot of our listeners might leave Canada when it's cold in the winter, how's that, and leave their places alone. So being able to have cameras installed inside your home while you're not there for months at a time, that's got to be a huge stress reliever too, and probably great for your insurance. <laughs> Well, it really is. I mean, I think of my parents who usually go down to Florida as as another example. You're right, being able to check in on their house. And I also will say, I don't know if other people do this, but my parents actually love their smart speakers so much that they unplug them from their house and they bring them to their place in Florida. (laughs) So I think we don't think about doing that. But if you have a small little speaker, it's not like you can't do that and and connect it in another place. That's how much they've gotten comfortable with using smart speakers. That's great. That's great. And you're right. Then you don't have to invest in two sets of them or, you know, and as you say, they're quite portable as well. So something to keep in mind when you're looking at technology is, you know, you get several different uses out of the same piece of technology because all of these things obviously add up. So you want to go through a list of what you really require. Yeah, I really do. And again, like you said, the the portability of some Mm -hmm. of these things is incredibly valuable. And then I would say most importantly, too, when you're starting out with new technology is that the good news is there are some big tech companies out there that do make things really easy from a setup perspective. So as much as you may see a smart speaker that you're like, this is you know, $20 cheaper than the Amazon one or the Google one or the Apple one. Just be careful going down that path. I think it's important to remember that some of these big tech companies have invested a lot more. So I would just be careful of opting out of some of these pathways. Right. Well, thank you, Amber. We could go on about this, but time is short. So where can we find you online to get more information? Uh, yeah, super easy. I am at Amber Mac across social media and I do a weekly newsletter at ambermack.com slash newsletter that my dad, who's 76, mostly uh, writes <laughs> for it. me, just a uh, heads up. So all the <laughs> smart tech stuff is actually coming from him. <laughs> Thank you so much for joining me today, Amber. Thanks for having me. Thanks. Mark Saltzman is a prolific tech expert with one simple goal, to break down geek speak into street speak. Mark is a freelance journalist for more than 20 publications, including a weekly syndicated column with USA Today, as well as Zoomer, Costco Connection, Post Media, Toronto Star, and Common Sense Media. Mark is also a six-time author, radio and podcast personality, public speaker, and host of Tech Impact, which airs on Bloomberg Television and Fox Business. Mark specializes in consumer electronics, business tech, interactive entertainment, automotive innovations, and future trends. Good morning, Mark Saltzman. 
Hey, good morning. Thanks for having me. You know, this is great to have you on. I recently saw the movie Free Guy. I don't know if you've seen that, but I had to sit next to my 22-year-old gamer to understand half of the show. I didn't know what an NPC was, Mark, okay? Oh, no. <laughs> oh, Kathy, no. I know. Don't say that it isn't so. <laughs> what is an NPC, a Mark? A non-playable character. Yeah, this is a, the, the, the folks that you may see in a video game, but they, they are not controllable. You often don't even interact with them. Uh, but yeah, yeah <laughs> I haven't right? seen the movie yet, but I am a fan of Ryan Reynolds. So It's really good. And like I said, it's quite funny in terms of what I didn't know about gaming. And of course, I don't think I know that much about gaming to begin with. So this is like our Gamer 101 for our listeners. How's that? Awesome. So, yeah, that works for me. Terrific. But you'd be surprised, though. That, you know, 23 million Canadians, about 61% of us play games. And believe it or not, there are nearly twice as many players over 35 than those under 18. Wow. Completely shattering yeah. the, the uh, myth of who's playing games. Yeah, you know? that's crazy. And I know my millennial uh, daughter and son-in-law, my son-in-law in particular, plays video games. Um, and so he's the father of my two grandsons. They're going to probably grow up playing video games together. You know, that's going to be something that they do for fun, obviously. So I was hoping that you could give us some recommended games for kids and why you would recommend them. Yeah, for sure. And you're right, by the way. So I grew up playing games in, in the early 80s. And so the medium was very comfortable for mm-hmm. me. So I think going forward, those, uh, you know, again, those, those, those stats, about how old folks are playing video games uh, won't be so surprising because we're sort of used sort of used to it. Mm-hmm. And it's not a one-size-fits-all scenario before I answer your question about what games would be good to play. You know, just like there are different genres of movies, like Free Guy isn't for everybody. Some may prefer, you know, that's like comedy, but people may prefer action and there's horror and there's documentary. So the, games are similar in, in the sense that there's multiple genres to choose from. Mm-hmm. But a few good ones to play with the kids or grandkids would be, uh, I think, some of the low hanging fruit would be Fortnite, yes. which is a free to start action game that's really fun, pretty accessible once you get going and you can play on different platforms. It's not just on computers or consoles, but mobile devices too. And it lets you play, you're sort of dropped on an island with a hundred others that are all over the internet. So you you may be by yourself where you are physically, but you're are certainly not alone in this game. And it's kind of a fight to the finish. It's a fun way to, uh, you know, it's like survival of the fittest and you have to build and you've got to hide and you've got to fight and uh, you can play by yourself or you can play in squads or small groups. And it's just really fun. You're communicating the whole time. Like there's a, it's optional, but mm-hmm. it's really fun to, you know, be on a headset microphone and to uh, chat with your friends or even strangers while you're doing right. this because you're working collectively together uh, as a goal. If you're in a squad, right, you, you're strategizing. And you're also learning how to floss. I knew that part. That's where that (laughs) came from, right? You like all the little dances, all the animations. (laughs) Yeah, the floss. That's right. That's right. Yeah, that's a very popular game for sure. Yeah, it's kind of that's part of the fun taunting, you know, kind of thing. Another one that's been out even longer than Fortnite, of course, is Minecraft, Mm -hmm. which, um, you know, all the sort of educational institutions embrace as well because it encourages coding. You know, it encourages thinking like a programmer. You don't have to have any programming uh, knowledge, but it, it's a game that's kind of like a, we call it a sandbox game. It's just an open ended game that lets you build and play. And there is like a core story element about these uh, creepers that are coming uh, at night and you've got to protect your fortress and and, and make sure that you're um, going to survive the night. But there's so much more to it. I mean, there it's really blurring the lines between game player and game creator. Oh, that's uh, cool. So a lot of parents, uh, grandparents, uh, educators, they love Minecraft because it teaches, uh, you know, kids and kids at heart <laughs> to think yeah. more uh, critically, problem 
solving, uh, building and construction and, and physics and, you know, all those different materials that you can use while you're mining them and then building. And it's just so fun. So you can go on YouTube and see literally, quite literally tens of millions of videos of people that have created Minecraft worlds that you can play in as well. So it doesn't cost much to start. It's only a couple of bucks for the game. And then you can import all these mods or modified cool. uh, games. And it's just so fun. You can play multiplayer, you know. And I know a lot of, you know, Minecraft's been around for a while. So even my kids that are now in their 20s, they were playing that, right? When they were yeah. quite a bit younger. And they sure. watch other people play it, which I don't understand. But that's another thing, Yeah, right? that's a whole other <laughs> phenomenon. Yeah, so my kids are, uh, my twins are 19. Mm-hmm. And I have a 17-year-old. And they also went to, the, the boys anyways, one of my twins is a girl. But um, the boys were really into games. And uh, they would, yeah, when they're not playing them, they're watching other people play them, which is a really, you know, interesting phenomenon that a lot of parents don't quite get. But, but as grandparents, just, maybe that's what we could start with is watching other yeah. people play it's like a tutorial for us almost, yeah that's a know? great point that's yeah. a great point or play with yep. the, the kids who will will help you you know and and uh, you don't have to be embarrassed asking like what does this button do right you know uh, it's certainly different of course than the games that we grew up with I, I mentioned playing games in the early 80s like pac-man and frogger didn't even <laughs> require one button that's they just were a four-way great, joystick though. come on right <laughs> <laughs> so what, what about the game It Takes Two? What Can you tell oh, me about I that one? Oh, I love this one. So this came out last year. It Takes Two is from Electronic Arts. It's actually from a small studio in England that uh, EA or Electronic Arts published. And this is a co-op only game. So you and someone else on the same TV or over the internet, but it's even more fun when you're together in the same room on the same couch, plays as this married couple who are bickering and their <laughs> daughter sort of inadvertently casts a spell on them and they get shrunk down in size and they have to survive the wild. And when I mean the wild, I mean, cause they're so small, it could be ants, it could be squirrels, it could be uh, other threats along their way. And they are going through the lawn, through a tree house, back into the house. And they are in, in this, on this sort of epic adventure where they have to work together in order to succeed. So in one level, for example, the husband in the game, which one player will control, has to like navigate a raft down these rapids, which is just a little trickle of water, but because they're so small, it's like this giant sort of river. And then the mom is on the raft and she's taking down some bees, like a little sort <laughs> of uh, weapon that she's got, but they have to work together or else they, you know, there's a couple of like mini games where they can compete. But the, the idea is that as the name suggests, it takes two, uh, requires them to get together. And there's of course, this bigger story arc about, you know, putting aside your differences and, and trying to it. work on your problems. It doesn't say, it doesn't say like, you know, divorce yeah. is wrong or anything yeah. like that. No, I love a it. Nice yeah. underlying message. Yeah, it's so fun. And, you know, it's also all these games, by the way, are, are family friendly. They're age appropriate. Fortnite might be the, yeah. the most, you know, it's like T team for not M for mature, which is 18 and older, but T for team because there is some shooting, but it's very cartoon like it is not realistic, you know, but uh, all three, I think, are ideal for, for players of all ages. That's great because, again, we want to make sure that it's fun and it's challenging for the kids, but we also want to make sure that we're paying attention to the ratings on the games as well. I'm going to have to have you back because I wanted to talk about some games that are great for puzzle pages, words with friends, etc. I'm a great online crossword puzzle doer, and we don't have have time right now to talk about that. So I want you to come back and tell us about games that we can play that maybe we can get our grandkids engaged with as well. I would love that, Kathy. Thank you. Yeah, there's some great games and free ones for your tablet or smartphone that we can play. Love it. Thanks, Mark. And we can find you online where? Well, yeah, it's Mark Saltzman, Mark with a C, -C S-A-L-T-Z-M-A-N. I'm on all the social platforms like Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, LinkedIn, and YouTube. Amazing. Thank you so much, Mark. Thanks, Kathy. Be well. 
Stuart Gray is director, RBC Financial Planning Center of Expertise. Stuart and his team of 17 financial planning professionals support over 2,200 accredited financial planners for RBC from Halifax to Vancouver. He has been a featured speaker at cross-border expo events to help ensure Canadians take a number of key considerations into account when they're looking to retire south of the border. Stuart joins us today to talk about retiring in paradise. So good morning, Stuart. Um, retiring in paradise, that sounds pretty good. It's something that everybody in, in Canada is dreaming about, I think. I think so, too. So you have me dreaming now about retiring in paradise. But like most dreams, to make them come true, sadly, I'm sure there are some realities to take into consideration. What are some of those realities? Yeah, thanks, Kenny. That's a great question. I think uh, I think we all dream about retiring in paradise. And, and I, oftentimes that's based on, uh, you know, I spend two weeks a year in Mexico. Mm-hmm. Um, or in California or in Arizona. And I think the first is making sure that that desire to retire uh, outside of Canada in a warmer climate, regardless of where it is, really fits into your lifestyle. Because vacation there for one, two weeks, three weeks a year is very different than living there either full-time uh, or for four to six months. You know, I, I, I'll share a personal experience. I, I spent uh, two years, I, I actually amassed my vacation time and spent a month uh, in Puerto Vallarta, Mexico. Oh, nice. And I thought, you know what, this is really my test Mm -hmm. to say, could I retire here? Uh, And by the third week, uh, I was tired. Yeah. Um, And it it really made me rethink. So I think that's the first big part. Uh, We like vacationing there, but could we actually live there? You're right. It's a totally different thing, isn't it? Yeah. How would would it be different? You know, I think if you arrive there and you say, okay, yeah, no, it does make sense. There's certainly some some things that you know you want to do, and, and, and it's you want to start planning for that in advance. Yeah. So, what steps? If I so I've maybe done a test, I've stayed somewhere for a month or two. I'm like, this is it. So, what steps should I take now if I'm considering living outside of of Canada when I retire? Yeah. So the first one is do your research mm-hmm. um, and start to make some lists. So do extensive research on on where you're you're considering going. That includes you know the location you're going to, but also understanding what the the potential tax and legal regime is going to look like. What advisors can you engage today to start looking at uh, that, that, that future? Are you going to rent or are you going to buy? Right. Um, and, and how can working with an advisor in Canada today help with that? The second part is looking at your finances. So what am I going to need to spend uh, when I go down there? You know, how are my sources of income that I'm going to be receiving in retirement? Are they going to... Uh, be able to to meet those needs uh, and really really align those things. And then I think the the key one that we have to consider is we live in uh, we're very fortunate to live in Canada, which has a very robust uh, healthcare system. Mm-hmm. But when you're leaving Canada and you're going into another jurisdiction, what does that healthcare system look like? Is it going to cost you more? What does that added cost look like? And and that's where really connecting with expertise is really important. The other key thing that I think people should consider today is is setting up a cross-border kit and having it handy. So, you know, make sure your passport is up to date. What, what's your travel health insurance? You know, a calendar that, to mark the days that you're away and, and make sure you're counting them carefully in some jurisdictions to make sure you don't run afoul of tax laws. And, and what's your medical history? Really having those things documented for you. And, of course, today, 
your COVID vaccination certificates would be a critical part of that as well. I like the idea, the idea of a kit that has all of those features yeah. in it. I'm sure lots of our listeners are writing down all of these notes as you're uh, speaking. And there's a government site we can go to as well with some great information, isn't there? There is. Travel.cc.ca, traveling slash living abroad. You know, I go to I go to Canada.ca and mm-hmm. and just type in living abroad, and I bet they'll find it for you. Yeah, I think this is really key. So things we really need to consider as we move forward, you know, all in one place. I think this is the key takeaway for me. Get Absolutely. those get those things organized, and again, as you say, do some research in terms of where is it you want to live. I'd volunteer to go to Mexico for like a month and figure that out myself. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you so much for joining us this morning, Stuart. I think we all learned a lot. I'm looking forward to the next time we can do an RBC series chat. Thank you, Kathy. Have a great day. You too. I know, I know, you have to go now to challenge your kids to a video game. Or at least start practicing so you can beat those little whippersnappers. As parents, many of you might have allowed your kids to win at games so they could feel good about themselves. My dad never did that. In fact, he would play Monopoly with us and leave us with one property each so we could all wait to watch him win the whole thing. A swimming race? He would sometimes even give himself a cheating start. I have to admit, I'm a bit like that myself. We never let the kids win at games, but eventually, over time, they did, and I think they knew that they won fair and square. Or maybe they cheated. Gaming is a big part of the lifestyle for millennials and Gen Z kids, using the term kids loosely, and I expect most of them will pass this passion on to their kids, your grandkids, when they're old enough to learn. You want to spend time with them doing what they're doing as much as you want them to spend time doing what you're doing. Maybe you can find a crossword puzzle online where you verse each other. Here's a quick clue. Gamer Pro that starts with S and is eight letters long. Thanks to Mark Saltzman for giving us some great options. Technology in our homes isn't new, but it is constantly changing. Amber Mac got us up to speed for today but it's up to us to stay on top of what can make our lives more safe, fun, and efficient. You can follow along with Amber and Mark to get all of this information online, but we'll be sure to provide more tech segments on future shows. For instance, on next week's show, we will feature some up-to-date technology from Kobo as we discover their newest gadgets and devices to keep us reading and learning. Our featured guest, Victoria Sopic, probably doesn't have a ton of time to read, given she has eight children and eight grandchildren, and is the co-founder and CEO of KidCo. She's going to tell us all about living in a blended family with her grandchildren and how that can work. And our Take 5 with RBC segment will blend fact with future forecasting, and we get an economic update from a finance pro. You've been listening to Go to Grandma. I'm Kathy Buckworth. Game on. Share your thoughts on this show with us. You can find Kathy on Twitter at Kathy Buckworth or email her, Kathy at KathyBuckworth.com. This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show.